Welcome everybody to Hidden Guardians Podcast, your only podcast hosted by actual Hidden Guardians. Today on the show, we're going to take a slightly different approach and we're not going to focus on the TWAB or criticisms or stuff like that. We're actually going to discuss the things that we generally like and appreciate about you know, Destiny as a franchise, Destiny 2, Destiny 1, and even Bungie themselves. You know, for seven plus years of experiences just with this game, in addition to all the time with Halo and their other properties, Myth, Oni, things like that. You know, we, we spent a lot of time in the worlds that they've created, and we don't get an opportunity that frequently to come out and just talk about all the stuff we really think is cool without all the additional criticisms and things that go along with it. I'm Al Ryder, and I'm joined with Bacon today, as well as our friend of the channel, Bam, a.k.a. Jedi Polaris 23. How you boys doing today? I'm great, and I'm not muted this time. So. Yes, yes, you're not. He's not muted. being shy today. God damn. No, he's not. He's not being shy at all. <laughs> he's, he's he's poking out a little bit right now. He's not shy today. <laughs> he's like a little turtle. <laughs> a little tiglet. Little tiglet. Yes, yeah, so a diglet. Uh, don't. All right, fine. I'm going to change your name right now to Bam the Diglet. Please. <laughs> thing. Yeah. Afterwards. Yes, I know. So it, it it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, I, I don't care, call it a shill fest or a love fest or whatever, but I've been thinking about this, and it's like, you know, we, we do talk a lot about things we hope to see changed, criticisms about decisions. We do, you know, maintain that some of them are really good and worthwhile, but we never really go out and just say, hey, these are the things that we flat out love about the game. And it gave me something to think about. And I'm sitting here going, you know, what are some of the aspects of this game that I really like? And the first thing that sticks out in my mind completely, and this is a good way to kind of start this conversation, is over the course of Destiny, the storytelling has dramatically improved from D1 vanilla all the way to now. There's no doubt about it at this point. How they're doing the story for the past, I'd say almost a year and a half, going on two years, how it's just been really getting better and better and better, that they've been bringing in more characters, fleshing them out more. They've now been going through and tying up loose ends that have been sitting around through Destiny 2 and even touching back into the original game. And it's a good feeling to see this all coming to fruition, building up something bigger, making it more interesting instead of just faceless hero goes and kills X creature does Y mission, whatever. We now have characters we actually like and care about. They've even added more of a personality to, say, Zavala. They've added more personality to Osiris. Uh, we now have the Crow, who a lot of people really like. He's probably one of the better characters out there. Glint, his ghost, also is very interesting. And it's just really a nice feeling to see this world actually filling in the gaps. Because I remember Destiny 1. What, what did we do at the end of the main campaign? We we defeated this blob of darkness in the Black Garden that had three robots come to life that we fought, and that was it. We went into the void and did nothing else. Yeah, but you look at how it's improved. You look, you, you look at how it's improved. We have, you know, Destiny 2 started, and instead of having something like that, which was kind of ambiguous, this had the Red War campaign. I'd say for a starting 
of a sequel game. That was awesome. It was a complete story from start to finish. It was nice, heroic. It had defined villain, and they've just kind of expanded past that. What do you guys think? And you didn't have to read about it. Everything was in the game. <laughs> That's a big You're part tell- of it. Don't tell me you didn't read the entirety of Crown of Sorrows. I don't read anything anymore. <laughs> Who reads stuff, dude? <laughs> I watch movies. Yeah, Bacon has Elmo show up and tell him things. <laughs> That's how he gets all of his information. But really, what, what, do, what do you guys think? I mean, you just brought that up, Bacon, that it's no longer stuff's being locked behind a, like a lore tab. Yeah, the old Grimper cards that you can only read through the app. <laughs> and that's if you wanted to go through the app and not everybody I don't know if any like if, if a lot of people actually knew about the grimoire cards or just the app alone that you can actually go and see things extra stuff I, I always thought I always thought for the grimoire cards they added the calcified fragments in the Taken King as a means mm-hmm. to get people to start paying attention to the, the, those things existed because you, you got rewards for collecting them all so it was Dude, you got touch man. Yeah. That was fucking yeah. nuts. Yeah, great. Yeah, was and thank you to the YouTubers that uh that made that happen because I wouldn't be able to find that touch of oh, <laughs> Some of those fragments, oh my goodness, especially going oh. into the raid on the one in the raid were freaking annoying. <laughs> the hard, and it was the hard mode raid that the last five were in, if I remember correctly. Yep. That you needed to get. What about you, Ban? Is there parts of the uh, the story itself? Uh, do you, do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Do you mean is there the things that you like about it? I do agree that the the integration or lack thereof of the of the lore uh, kind kind of hampers a lot of what what Destiny as a whole is. Because as I as I freaking jokingly referred to earlier, the Crown of Sorrows probably has like the most freaking interesting content. Other than like maybe some of the most recent seasons and certain choice uh, seasons like Season of Dawn mm. and other things like actually explain a lot and impact the story real well. Season of the Chosen and Season of the Splicer. Some of the like yeah. most story related seasons. Whereas even like the Taken King. Most of the interesting stuff out of that is probably the Crown of Sorrow. And a lot of the interesting stuff on like the Exo Stranger back in D1 on that amazing 10 out of 10 murdering of the Black Heart uh, <laughs> stuff on the Exo Stranger. Most of the stuff out of that came from the lore. And now she's back and hopefully they aren't putting her in the dumpster again. <laughs> well, but look what they did with the uh... Elizabeth. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they really made the Exo Stranger no longer a stranger. They fleshed her out. They gave her this deep personality. Not only that, it's like, if we were to use the MCU terms, so she's basically a variant. Going from timeline to timeline, <laughs> eradicating other versions of her sister and whatnot, and trying to escape because things go south. It's like, kind of makes me wonder if we're ever going to go in with with her on one of her adventures, going yeah. back in time, forward in time. But does yeah, that so make you... Traveler in the Darkness uh, space lizards? Well, I, I'm just Are curious. It? Is she going to pull up in a, <laughs> is she going to pull up in a DeLorean and take us someplace? You know, 
They should do that. If Bungie doesn't does like do that, I'm out. You the John Williams. <laughs> Please be quiet. <laughs> Ow. I want to hear that. But yeah, this the story is has gotten so much better. The implementation of the story is dramatically improved from the, its initial inception from Destiny One back in 2014 to now. It feels more like an actual living world at this point. I think some of that, and I, I'm going to argue it, is, and one of the things I actually like, is we no longer have content droughts with the seasonal model. And that allows them to facilitate the story ongoing, you know, in smaller pieces, mind you, but it's still constantly going on. We're still seeing more and more of it week to week to week for the most part, during the season. And now it doesn't feel like, hey, we have nothing to do. I definitely remember finishing the campaign in Destiny 1 like a couple days after the game launched, and I went, now what? Yeah. That was a drought. That was a real drought. This is like there, nothing. There was, there was nothing from when you finished the campaign until Vault of Glass hit the first raid but if you weren't at a certain power level, you couldn't even go into it. And you Grand had to find people willing to do it. And then you didn't see any new content till what was it, December, I think, where uh, Dark Blow came out. Oh. So now it's like we don't have those pronounced droughts of things to do. There's always something to do. There's actually more things to do now than there's ever been before in this series. Correct me if even, I'm wrong. Even for, like, I guess, like, veteran players, mm-hmm. we have something to do. There's something to do always. To do yeah. Even if you don't like it. Do it. Yeah. If you don't like it, you're going to do it anyways. <laughs> well, it, I, that, that's, that's a discussion for, I think, another day. But it, there's always there's always something to do. There's there's more things. There's more available avenues to play the game than there have been in prior years. Mm-hmm. There's always something you can do. It's whether or not you want to do it. It's a different story. But you know, I I, pr- I praise them for giving so much variety, giving so much uh, different options available. Like, didn't even Bungie said, like, even if it's, like, a slow month, you can go and play other games, and that's okay. <laughs> Just to hear a company say, oh, you can go play other games, it's fine, it's cool, you're gonna come back. <laughs> it's like right now, the Solstice of Heroes stuff is wrapping up. I think this is the start of the final week, right, that, that reset this week. And I've already got all my three sets of armor. I did that like the first week because it went really quickly. Oh, yeah. What I've been doing is trying to raid, doing the Grandmaster Nightfall once a week at least, and that's it. I've been playing other stuff. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I know when the epilogue comes around, I think August 12th, I think is when the epilogue hits. I'll be right back. Checking it out. Seeing what's happening. I'm still playing a game. 
like even though for me there's really not much to do just because I don't have like a dedicated like rating. Mm-hmm. I'm doing other things like cousin with my cousin. I'm with a uh, with a. I mean, I finally got to play with like old old friends that were there since like D1 because they finally came back to the game. So I'm doing very old stuff from D2, damn near vanilla. And I mean, it's like it's something to do. It's fun. It's fun doing all that old stuff. And then, like, hearing their reactions, it's like that's like something like that. Like Bungie does real well. Destiny, it it like it gives you that really good reaction to drops, to to storylines, to to just just the characters alone, the powers, all that stuff. They're like, oh damn, I knew you can do that. Oh oh, that's all I hear. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I really, miss that so much. I, I wish that depending on when they started these friends of yours coming back, I really wish they, if they weren't able to experience it, I wish they were able to experience the red war. You get brought back at the Cosmodrome. They do all their stuff in their Cosmodrome and then they go to the city and the city's under siege. The red war stuff starts up and they have to go through that. I think they would have loved that campaign if they never experienced it. I think they stopped for like two years. Year and yeah. a half, something like so that. Probably, Even so out for a while. If, if they if they were if they only stopped for like two years, they definitely play the Red War because we're on year four. Yeah, I think that was the reason why they kind of left. They liked the campaign, but it was just certain things here and there. But you know, that's that's an art thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, they came back, and I mean, they're loving the game again, which is great for me because I, at least, I'm playing with like old old friends. Yeah, so you're replacing us, I understand. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Fuck you guys. <laughs> yep, I thought so. <laughs> nah, crossplay's coming, so we're not working. Crossplay, we're gonna be good. Yeah. We're gonna be good all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Until you get uh, cranked by the capture cards. What's that? Until you get cranked by the capture cards. <laughs> cranked by the capture cards. With with, with a freaking... Uh, I think I think they have like hardware that's like essentially just super aim assist on the cap cards. Something like that. I don't know. And here I'm... comes Bam. What? Son of a bitch. Hacking, essentially. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I'm talking about cross playing with Xbox players. I'm not talking about cross playing with PC unless I'm specifically doing something on, on PvE only. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I am not there. You cannot. I'm sorry, folks. This was supposed to be positive. Thanks, Pam. There's <laughs> no way you could pay me enough money to go into the PvP on with PC players when I'm on a console. No way. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, everybody. I shall take the walk of shame now. <laughs> now we're laughing. We're having a good time. A good time. <laughs> I'm looking at my list because I did bring up you know talking about D1 but there's nothing to do then then the first raid came out can we talk about how much raids raids in a first person shooter I can't think of another game another FPS that has done raids as a multiplayer activity ever 
That's insanity. And Raids of Destiny are now like one of the staple moments for the entire franchise. I love them. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I they I think Bungie needs to be praised heavily for making a very very complicated piece of content for people to play and experience. I in 2014 I seriously correct me if I'm wrong and any of our listeners or you guys right now. I can't think of another game that did something like this ever as an FPS. I can't think of it. Has it? All right. Like for a bit, I was like division, but division's third person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the the division came out way after destiny did. It didn't come out beforehand. D one was out before the division. I, and I'm thinking like into other FPS games, like that I played. All right. Well, like the Quake games tended to be like either first person story or arena shooters. Same thing with Doom. I can't think of a multiplayer FPS that had raids in it. We're talking checkpoints, multiple bosses having mechanics in them that were skill based, as well as you needed a certain power and weapons. Your kit mattered. Because the only other games I ever played that had raids in it were MMOs. And they sure as heck weren't first-person shooters. And I love yeah, that, that was my first experience of, like, raids. Because all I heard with raids was, like, Diablo and, like, was it, like, Final Fantasy or something like that? Final Fantasy, yeah. A Final Fantasy fourteen and, and 11, but World of Warcraft and, uh, raids. Yeah, yeah and so I was like, I'm it. never going to get in one of those. I was like, that's, that's way too much. Destiny, Bungie brought me into that. I'm like, damn, I want to do raids in like other games, but the weird it's thing true. about like Destiny, it's like it like it just constantly brings you back no matter what. It's like Destiny is like this like it's like I'm gonna be kind of like fucked up here, but you know Destiny is like crack. <laughs> it's like like cracking like cocaine. It's like just you just need that one sniff, and and it's a man. That first hit, dude, that's it. <laughs> that's what it is. A little differently, like, you know, like, I don't know, sugar or my <laughs> wife's baking or something like no, that. No, 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 no. I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, Destiny is crack cocaine, dude. It's You just need that first sniff, dude. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> yes, operator, it's this guy right here. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, okay, but I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong, right? I'm no, not wrong. You're, you're, you're not wrong <laughs> on it, it being very attractive and bringing you back. And, and I, that, that that does te- stand the test <laughs> of time. That the game itself is just very playable, like the first-person shooter mechanics. How it feels, the gunfights and stuff is very playable. It's pick up, and you can jump right into it, and to their credit, to Bungie's credit, they've always been very, very good when it comes to first-person player oh, yeah. feel of their games. Halo, Destiny, whatever else they do, if they do any other first-person games out there, I'm sure they're going to feel phenomenal. They got that down. They got the shooter feel real good. 
but I, I going sticking with raids just a little bit more. I I know I played Destiny One from start to finish. I think Bacon, you might have also. Yeah, yeah. Bam, did you, or were you just kind of like came in at the tail end and just played catch up? Well, no, I actually was there pretty much at the start, but I was a young, stupid, naive child. I was like twelve. So my my experiences would much differ, especially with like rating and stuff. Sure, of course, of course. But you've now gone back and at least experienced a a chunk of the older content. I'd say I think uh, Pop Tarts and them were running some of the older D one raids prior to Vault of Glass coming back in D two. Yeah, I've pretty much been able to do everything except uh, Rise of Iron because I never bought it. So. Yeah. So you never got to play Wrath of the Machine, which was actually a really, yeah. really good raid for Destiny 1. Indeed. Yeah. But I will okay. say this. If you look at how Vault of Glass was, because now we can actually see it in Destiny 1, from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2. You look at Vault of Glass originally, and you look at the current raids now. So we have like Deepstone Crypt, Last Wish. Um, even Crown of Sorrow, uh, Eater of Worlds, Leviathan, you know, the, these are the Destiny 2 era raids. You can see that the raid design itself has improved by leaps and bounds from the mm-hmm. very first raid. I mean, they've just gotten bigger to a point, at least mm-hmm. more complex. Uh, interesting environments you go into. Everything is just changes in the raid team. Really, when the raids do come out, it is an event because these things are going to be played on repeat for months. And if anything else gets added to them or a new mode happens, all of a sudden people are right back into the raid again. It's just kind of funny because people that raid is a small, small portion of the overall player base. Do either of you guys have like a favorite raid out of the entire franchise that you've played so far? King's Fall. King's Fall. (laughs) Why is that? King's King's Fall was one of the greatest raids I think I've ever been in. just, Just remembering, like, I remember every single challenge don't know the names, but I know how to do them. And I still remember the Oryx one. The Oryx one was just legendary for me. I don't know why. All you really had to do is sit on the like under the 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 balls and then just get like what like sixteen of them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And yeah. and I just liked it. And the only reason I liked it so much is because of the freaking ship that came out of it. <laughs> That entire raid like made me a raider like forever. Even though I don't really do them now, just because it's a different like taste and you know and like I don't have a dedicated team. Rarely I get in one. But King's Fall was like one of a kind for me. Rid really was. It 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 really changed the way I play, it changed the way I just like think of the game. That really helped me out. Yeah. What did you think of the first time when Oryx 
at the very end came up over the side of the dreadnought when you saw him at his full size for the first time. Dude, I think we freaking recorded that, and it, I I want to say we have it on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> we were just like, what? <laughs> we just went, what? What is that? I mean, yeah, cause, <laughs> because we fought, we fought large things prior raids, you know, with with um, Vault of Glass and Crota's End, because King's Fall was the third raid in Destiny 1. So we fought large things. I mean, Atheon's a big Vex robot. Crota was a very large hive demigod. Mm-hmm. Then you saw Oryx as daddy. Which, yeah, but Oryx. Oryx was Oryx, fucking dead, dude. Oryx was the size of a building. I'm talking like Oryx was not playing Jeez. around, man. It's a little doll like, in his hand. And then, mm-hmm. like the first thing, like the first instinct you got is immediately start shooting, and hopefully you'll get like non-immune, and you didn't even get immune. So, <laughs> no I was like, oh god. Well, <laughs> it's all mechanics to get to the weak spot. Yep. Trigger a DPS phase. And how complex it is. If if you were to explain to a normal person that doesn't play video games or doesn't play Destiny, the steps involved to do a particular encounter in a raid, they're going to look at you like you're insane. But when you're in the raid itself, it all kind of makes sense to the players. And I think that's kind of neat. You know, it's almost like this secret language. Yeah, on how you got to experience actually perform in the raid. Yeah, they can understand and and just be like, "Oh, okay, that's that's what you guys mean by that." Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, Bam? Do you have a favorite raid? I put two up because one one of one of them was also Keen's Fall, but that's mm-hmm. for a bit of a different reason. You see, because I didn't start raiding till like. Crown of Sorrow was released. Mm-hmm. So it took me way too many years for me to finally stick it up to Oryx. Because I didn't raid till then. Essentially, my quest line was, alright, I went into Oryx's home, kicked the crap out of him, and they ran like a little coward. Took himself right. and just fled. And I'm like, oh, you you rat. You, you get back here <laughs> right now, mister. And it's like several years later, finally, I get to see this skyscraper of a dude and topple him over like a bunch of Jenga bricks. And then he just vaporizes into the into the freaking atmosphere of Saturn. It's like, ah, glorious closure. Finally, that specific scene when you do defeat him and his body mm-hmm. just kind of floats towards Saturn, that is a defining memory for me in the destiny raid experience because it's like you're just seeing the body of your adversaries just floating down and into space into the planet it's just going to get tore up in the atmosphere maybe yeah it probably is so cool seeing it because then you saw how large oryx Mm -hmm. truly was when it floated further away like if you want like title of God Slayer, it's like that image probably is like the first to come to your head. It's like that's how you topple a god. Send him to orbit down crashing. Send him to orbit with by various amounts of mechanics. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. 
but hey, it worked. Um, it worked. <laughs> and then, I guess, like, my favorite raid mechanically, and also because it's the first one I ever did, mm-hmm. was, would be Scourge of the Past. Yes. I, I miss that very much, especially the Sparrow part. Uh, the <laughs> It's a pretty simple... Well, I say simple, but it, it like the mechanics is pretty consistent throughout, I should probably say. It's like, all right, map reader, orb fetcher, and kill things. Yeah. Most of most of the raid there until you like get to the boss. Uh where the boss it's like you gotta hit it in its pressure points, open it up, and then stand in a certain pattern. Uh that probably is like probably the most well-rounded raid i'd say it's like not terribly it's not super difficult but it's also not like the easiest raid in existence such as like vault of glass or crota's uh end i'd say it's a it's like probably like i'd say the beginner's raid which i'm glad is what i started with i can see that i can see that i i have three raids that are up there for me and the entire Destiny experience. Uh, of all things, Crota's End is one of my favorites out of Destiny 1. And I know people are going to be, it's a strike. It's a raid. It has multiple checkpoints. It actually has mechanics in it. If you want to like say it's a strike, I'd argue it's more like a dungeon compared to the complexities of the Destiny 2 raids. Present probably be one heck of a cool dungeon on its own. Oh yeah, by today's standards. But that first time I did Crota's End, back when it first launched, man, the feeling of being in the room with that giant crystal when you summon Crota into existence to fight, but when you activate the crystal and the barriers go up and the two rooms to the left and right fill with hive enemies and it's like they're walking back and forth and taunting you through the shield like when this thing goes down it's on and you're sitting there watching and it's like oh there's boomer knights there's acolytes there's like wizards out in the back that you don't see Mm -hmm. and that's just to get out to the arena where crota is I, i won't forget it I won't forget it. I won't forget going through the dark, going lantern to lantern with unending thralls coming after you. Introduction that, to the Ascendant Realm. Well, that, that first, the initial drop, when you start the raid, you jump into the Hellmouth. This place that on the actual terrain of the moon, if you jumped into, you know, to be a smartass, you just died. But it was only through the raid that you had to jump down a specific way that access into it. And it's just like this perpetual plummeting into the darkness. I loved it. It had a very, very unique feel to it. It's not the most difficult raid. It's not the most complex raid. But it felt good when you took out Crota. It really did. Mm -hmm. It was just a unique raid. Now, moving into Destiny 2, bam, you brought up Scourge of the Past. I adore Scourge of the Past. That is one of my favorite Destiny 2 raids. 
and I liked it also for the setting. This was a raid in your basically your hometown. The raid mm-hmm. takes place in the last city. That just shows that there's danger everywhere in this universe, in this, you know, the entire world building of destiny. And it was just awesome. You fought a gigantic battle mech at the end of it. You had a sparrow race scene. But even that, what I really liked was the very first area you go into. Because you're in an urban environment that's not just, oh, I'm going in between buildings and alleys, but it's also vertical. This was an environment, a raid environment, that was multi-tiered as a starting area that you could also use your sparrows on, and it was gigantic. And there's nothing quite better than the feeling of we actually did the raid flawlessly. Oh, yeah. That was a great feeling, too. So that that kind of pushes it up there for me. If I was to say there was another... Pardon me? Tank slaughter aside. Yeah, well... (laughs) The tank did not like me very much through that. Sometimes (laughs) Scourge of the Past can be a little temperamental. (laughs) <laughs> With the physics, I get that. You know, lots of moving parts and stuff. But that one run we did on that Sunday when we booted it up and we were just kind of relaxed and chill and we were expecting probably to wipe a bunch of times and whatnot. We did it in 45 minutes, roughly. Mm-hmm. Start to finish, no wipes. I saw that. Yeah, Bacon, you he was streaming it. Stream. I was like, Damn, they did it. <laughs> I was more, we were more cautious freaking jumping down the hole to pick up the loot than, than Pop and I were trying to run through the freaking server crash course. Yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys had that down. You know, that's the thing. You had that down pat. So we weren't too worried about that. It was, we were afraid that jumping down into the hole to get to the door to open that chest at the end the physics engine might decide, yeah, you're going to hit the ground at like Mach 30 and just die as your legs shatter into a million pieces. Your friend Goomba stomps you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some hunter decides to double jump onto your head and forces you down with like, you know, the speed of a rail gun being fired. Yeah. I would have <laughs> like, done that just to be an asshole. I know you would have done that. Oh, we got to do it all over again. Yeah, because (laughs) it didn't count until you opened the chest. I would have drove to Chicago and killed you. I'm pretty sure I would have done that. Hey, I'll write it. (laughs) Sound of a hammer slapping you in the head a couple times. Using the the, only thing they fear is you. Exactly. The third one I would actually argue is one of my favorite experiences. Just raid in general. And I've complained about this raid, but I really like it. Deepstone Crypt. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give it credit. Where credit is due, Deepstone Crypt is a spectacular raid in its design. I personally always like raid entrances being part of the actual environment to the areas that you're going to. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I like Vault of Glass when you were on Venus in Destiny 1. 
you saw the entrance to the raid and for people that just started playing the game it's like what is this huge thing it looks like a gate what's behind this gate same thing with uh, deepstone there's an area on europa where there was these big elixney metal door this like you know sealed door that it's like there's got to be something behind it for experienced destiny players it's like there's either a secret location or that's where the raid starts that's where the raid started <laughs> so it, it's cool seeing the the raid areas are a natural extension to the environment that you're normally playing in i like that tie-in but you had a sparrow section essentially to start the raid mm-hmm. with a weather hazard on top of it going from dome to dome where you encounter you know fallen enemies you're fighting them eventually make it to the end and then you end up at the deep stone crypt which is the essentially the birthplace of the exos yeah. And then you're thinking it's going to be this dungeon run. You're going level to level, going down and down and down into this facility, and it takes a left turn and sends you into outer space. Yes, you know, crypts are normally associated with underground burial. Nah, straight to the sky. Yeah, you go up a space elevator, and then you're above the... You're actually doing a spacewalk, looking down at Europa, which was the planet you were just on, the planetoid you were just on. And I can't really, I, I know it's, it's video game logic that you can go from the planet surface to a space station above Europa in like 10 seconds. Man of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and crash back that's, down. But that's, yeah, then you crash the space station back down to where you started it. But the, the, <laughs> the idea of a spacewalk, the idea of that a raid can actually take place in outer space now. Come on. That was unexpected. That was really but unexpected. The, but then the soundtrack. When you do the space walk, the Deep Stone Lullaby starts up. It's incredible. It's probably one of my favorite pieces of music in the entire Destiny franchise. And I think there's a lot of people that would agree with me on that. Because it's just so peaceful. There's this slight threatening aura to it because you're standing out looking into the void of space also. And there's, you know, Fallen that are attacking. Is that my house? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that my house. But it's also very peaceful. It's quiet. Even the the sound effects of the guns when you're firing them, they have a muffled sound quality when you're ADS. Oh, that was that was, that was crazy. That was crazy. There was so much care that went into the overall design, just the aesthetic design, the audio design. And even the encounter design for Deep Stone. That I know today for people that have done it on repeat, like I have, trying to get the raid exotic. Everybody else, thank you for coming along and doing it weekly with me. But I still adore the raid overall. It is just a tremendous experience. And I was so happy to finally complete it that first time and then just go back and go back and go back and it was just fun and you started challenging yourself and showing how good you could be at certain areas at certain jobs 
I think I've sherped people through that raid quite a few times. I, I know it very, very well at this point. And it's just some, it's a point of uh, pride that it's like, yeah, I got the raid seal for this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just by like, just, just by like you talking about, like, I'm going to take it way back again to like Crota and like Log. I'm like, damn, yeah, you're right. Like, those are pretty much like another raid I really, really like. Just it's like, you, you, you talked about that one room, going to Crota, being surrounded. If you weren't nervous, you weren't really playing. <laughs> and then when like just randoms came in for Vogue in the entrance mm-hmm. like I said thank you so many times to so many players <laughs> just sent them a message like hey thanks for like dropping in and like help us out with the raid a little bit and they were like what <laughs> I, I, we just like we were part of something I'm like yeah man yeah that that was always wild when you were driving through and that's something I forgot about it the the because it was in the open area you launched you landed for the raid but other people that were on venus that were in your same like you know zone for it all of a sudden you could have other people on sparrows come racing in and like just start shooting stuff too but then the gates to vog would open and they obviously wouldn't be able to follow you because you would then just zone into a new area and then they'd be by themselves good luck but the raid wouldn't be live for them but yeah, that was rather neat. It gave it a nice living world feel to it. That was something that I was like expecting to come back when Bog made a nice little comeback. I'm like, oh shit, we're going to have a bunch of randoms coming back in. Yeah. But of course, everything's sealed off and whatnot. But yeah, they would, they would physically have to return the entire planet of Venus to us to do that. Yeah. And turn it oh, that was just like a really good memory that like popped up. I'm like, damn, I remember those days. Those days were like incredible. Just. And, like, even being one of those randoms, joining another group, doing it, it was like, dang, like, I helped out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then we have dungeons, which are essentially the solo raid experiences or the three-man raid experiences for this game. Though somewhat new to the franchise from Destiny 2, I think they're a fantastic addition. I look forward to new dungeons coming out just as much as a new raid dropping. I mean, from Shattered Throne, Pit of Heresy, we have Prophecy. And uh, I know, I guess, like, uh, various trackers and stuff consider uh, Presage to be a dungeon. Yeah, they consider, like, all the heroic missions, like, Zero Hour. Zero Hour, The Whisper. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, for me, dungeons are a little bit more complicated, so it's like, you know, the three that I listed at the front. But these are these experiences are peak destiny experiences when a dungeon goes live. Or in the case of, like, Whisper. I'll even go back further than Whisper. Peak destiny experience for me was finding the secret submission in Destiny 1 that took you to the Black Spindle. Oh. What a mission, dude. What a fucking mission. (laughs) I I was 
in between grad school and my um, uh, bachelor's degree. I already had that when that mission went live. So I wasn't working. And Destiny Reset at the time was like 7 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. It was early. This is before they kind of unified it and made it like, you know, noon or 1 o'clock, depending on daylight savings or not. And I remember just running. It was like the heroic strike. And I got a notification on my phone that Reddit was like blowing up that somebody found something secret. And then within like 10 minutes, it was like, oh my God, there's a whole mission back here. So I saw some of my friends were on. It's like, it's like, hey, you know, we got to do this. And they're like, okay. So we're like all half asleep, barely drinking coffee, trying to stay awake, running that strike as fast as possible to get to the door to get up into that tent when the timer starts and you had to like destroy everything and get to the end, defeat the boss. And that boss room was absolute insanity. All the blights, all the taken, the boss hit like a truck. And then when you got an exotic weapon dropped for the first time that you had no idea coming. Ooh. Peak, peak destiny moment. Oh, that was fun, dude. And that became the main gun. (laughs) It was the replacement for the Black Hammer because that kind of went bye-bye because uh, the White Nail Pro was too strong. So they decided to make it an exotic weapon. And it was still great. The Black Hammer was great. Still, the Black Spindle was just as good, I thought. And then Destiny 2 comes around. We're running around on IO one day, and next thing we know is this new Taken enemy shows up. When you kill it, a portal opens up and it's into an area with a 20-minute time. I remember that day. I also remember that, like, myself and you, Bacon, and Benj spent, what was it, like a couple hours waiting for one of these uh, public events to start? <laughs> Just so we could open the portal, because then once you open the portal, you can go back into the the state open for you as long as you stayed in the uh, in the zone that you were in and we just ran the whisper over and over again until we got it done and then when we got the whisper of the worm sniper we just were cracking up it's like this is so awesome <laughs> nothing like another hive god at your disposal exactly <laughs> it was great though Zero hour? Oh, the first time you ran into Trevor. Remember that? That was freaking scary, dude. And and I, I'm literally saying ran into Trevor because you <laughs> you ran into Trevor. Actually, Wait, why ran is the screen red all of a sudden? Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the thing just like races past at like high speeds. It's like, oh. Yeah, you're not running from it. Yeah. <laughs> You get to the middle part and like just try to carefully jump onto the pipes to avoid it. But as, once you figured out that Trevor basically only makes left turns, you could plot a course. Oh, I didn't depending on where he was on the map. Yeah, he only turns left. I, I simply the moment I see a red light, I'm just hiding until it passes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, escape the gaze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it, it was it was it was quite crazy that entire mission, and it was it was tough. First few times you do it, it was tough because you were really almost out of time. Yep. Depending on how you did on the jumping side of things along the side of the the wall for the last city, how much time you had, it was. It was tight. I remember getting in there with like three minutes left. I'm thinking we're not going to do it. And we did it. It was like one second remaining. When Mithrax popped in. And, you know, basically waved us on like, that. hey, you, you did it. Thanks. And that was it. I'm like, <laughs> here's a gun. Yeah. And then just yeah, sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got the gun, which was old, which was a raid exotic too. From Destiny One, that was the raid exotic from um, Wrath of the Machine. Another giant. Except those outbreaks perfected in this game. Yeah, yeah. I, this, the secrets, you know, that's what I'm kind of getting at here. The secret stuff that Destiny throws in, very peak moments, and in the age of data mining and all this, last year when the Prophecy Dungeon was dropped into our lap at the start of a new season without any fanfare or notification this was coming. Beautiful. It's like, oh, you think you're getting done? Get it done. <laughs> I, I oh. want str- to stress that. There, there's The new season's coming up it's, uh, August 24th. Bungie's doing a big video presentation thing the same day. We don't even know the name of the new season yet. Probably going to be talking about Witch Queen. Probably going to get a release date to it. I would not be surprised if we see something like Prophecy drop into our lap that day. I'm going to be right there, front and center, ready for that. They just go just to go back right in. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Get get the get the seasonal artifact, level up as high as I can, and jump right in. Be at. That's where I'm going to be at. Uh, speaking of uh, weapons, I really appreciate the exotic weapons that Bungie puts in to this game. Not all of them, like you know, are the best in slot or meta weapon upon its uh, release, but. Have you ever played with anything quite like the tractor cannon before? God, no. Yeah. Beautiful fucking gun in the goddamn game. Yeah. How about the first time we all got our hands on the ruinous effigy trace rifle? Oh, I can't I can't part from it now. Especially yeah. with energy accelerant. So, so but what did you think when you were shooting this purple beam? It's like, oh, it's purple beam. And then the enemy turns into a ball of energy that you can pick up and other things to death with or create a force field around you. It's like a little mini game in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. went straight to Altars of Sorrow and I was like, I'm murdering everything. You, you go from I'm, slaughter to basketball. <laughs> I'm a dunk on everybody. <laughs> Bacon, we've talked about this before. The first time we actually went, oh, what does this Wither Horde do? Oh, no. Oh, no, dude. Oh, no. I mean, you have guns and games that are iconic. I mean, the BFG 9000, Doom, uh, the Spartan Laser in Halo. That, that's pretty iconic. 
Maybe say the the uh, scout rifle also. The the battle mm-hmm. rifle in Halo is pretty iconic. But Destiny puts out these exotic weapons that yeah, the, you'll remember more of these than anything. I remember getting my first exotic, and it was a Thunderlord, actually, in Destiny 1. That was the first exotic weapon I ever got. And I thought it was just awesome. Any rapid-fire arc, and then it was, like, causing arc explosions or something. Summoning lightning bolts. It's like, come on. It was great. The Yowler horn. Saying that is invoking imagery and memories from people that had one. And the legend of the alley. Devs hide in a corner because they don't want wolf backgrounds coming back. <laughs> as, I, as I remember when I got mine, it was in a nightfall, and I was doing it solo, and I and I was at the boss, and then like a like a buddy of mine like just got in. Immediately we got the kill, and then he's like, "Oh, what drop for you?" I'm like, "Oh, I got the I got the galley," and we were in like in the uh, in chat, and he was swearing up a store, and I was like, "Hey, but at least I got galley." What do you got, by the way? You got like a legendary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "That's what you get. That's what you get for coming into my nightfall." <laughs> I, I think of some of the other ones. One thousand voices. Not just you know what it does, but the background behind it. This is like made of parts of Riven. I must become yeah. flesh and bone. But it's like, oh, it's a fusion rifle. It's an exotic fusion rifle. It doesn't act like a fusion rifle. It fires a beam that does repeat damage on that, and then where it hit, then explodes later, doing more damage. I remember when you first got in, we did like a strike, <laughs> and I went in with the Titan. I did like a little, what, what, what was that called? That, uh, that melee with the fire? I forget what it's called. Solar. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the hammer strike. I yeah, say. and then you just nuked them with the thousand voices. I like fired it once and killed it. It was just really funny watching that. <laughs> that that was that was very funny. But I, I I started writing some, you know, different exotics down. I have like Zalo's cell. Ooh, that Zalo. was a fun AR. Zalo kind of came back the Risk Runner. Zalo's cool. We have Risk Runner, Tractor Cannon. I mentioned Wither Horde, One Thousand Voices. Gallerhorn. Red Death. Does that mean anything to anybody here? That was one gun that I that I did not expect I was gonna like that much because it was a pulse rifle. I was like, I don't even like pulse rifles. <laughs> and then it started giving me life back. I'm like, oh, that's why it's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Red Death. That was that was a fun one. I know we talked about anarchy. That's probably one of the most unique weapons I've used in a game like this. It's a grenade launcher that sticks grenades to people that I can create electric fields with. That does tick damage. I understand why it's going to get fixed next season, but just as a design thing alone, I appreciate any weapon that isn't inherently... You know what it can do, 
but you don't totally get the breadth of what it can do until you actively play with it more and anarchy rewarded experimentation. What else do I have? It's not so much tick damage. It's more so like microwaving the enemy. Yes, you're right. It is. It's like sticking two, two little microwave batteries onto them and just letting it go to town. It's like and shoving that gremlin in that microwave. Yes. It explodes. And then you gave it a breach and clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't imagine a better way for anarchy to go out than this season with breach and clear. If you wanted to give that weapon a swan song, that's doing it. Oh, and, and add on to that unstoppable uh, <laughs> disruption. Dude, all you gotta do is like stick him and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. That, that monster right there, he's gonna die. Don't even worry about it. Mentioned ruinous <laughs> effigy. How about it? <laughs> How about Divinity? That's an interesting trace rifle. Yes. I'm gonna create a gigantic crit spot on whatever you shoot at. While doing damage to it, like that thing came out and it's like Izanagi mains rejoiced. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Who has divinity? Or you even can't get it. Even today, there's <laughs> raids that you must have. Somebody has to be the divinity user, especially on stationary boss fights. Yeah. We also have Devil's Ruin. I listed this. That's that little sidearm. That was a Ooh. seasonal weapon. It's like, oh, it's a sidearm. No, it's a solar sidearm. And then you use the alt fire. It's like, oh, it fires a death laser. Okay. Oh, and that death laser also destroys uh, barrier champion shields. Ooh. Your favorite, Bacon, Linguini. La Monarch for everybody else. Linguini. You can't mess around with the Linguini, dude. The Ladouche, if you hate it. And when I first got it, I became a Bowman. Yeah. <laughs> For a long, long time. And then they did the most beautiful thing in the world. They made it into an to a to an overload that you can stun overloads. Yeah. I missed that mod. Way too it's, much. it's like it 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 was like having a void anarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I remember. I was like let me just stun this person real quick. Pop, that's it. Oh, it's doing take damage? It's all right. It's going to keep stunning them over and over and over and over. That was like, one of the greatest exotics I think I've ever freaking played with. Even like Other than like Wither Horde, Anarchy, all these other ones. But Le Monarch was the, the like just total like badass for me. I really, really liked that. I still play with it to this day. I still take it out. It has a lot of fun. Sure. I personally like the Trinity Ghoul. I thought it was neat to begin with. It rewarded, you know, shooting people in the head with it, with three arrows being fired at once, and then procking the shot everywhere, the, the arc um, web that would disperse on nearby enemies. But then, then you got the Catalyst. And... Trinity Ghoul became fantastic. And then that season where we had the Unstoppable Champion mod on the artifact for bows. Or overload. 
Uh, uh, overload, yes, overload. Thank you, Bam. It Devil's Ruin Strike. The most successful teams I've seen going through the Devil's Ruin, the uh, Devil's Lair, not Devil's Ruin, Devil's Lair, Nightfall, Grandmaster level. All three people had an exotic bow on. So you had the Monarch, you had Trinity Ghoul, and you had Tiku's Divination. Because was... You took care of all the shields, and every un- every overload champion could be shut down. Immediately. And you were doing lots of burst damage on top of everything. It, it was It was fantastic seeing that. That last season was when we had those mods for bows was really season of the bow user. So many people were using bows. It was it was great. great to see. I really like that season. I love bows. And when I saw that, I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving me this. And I know it's been a meme, but there's, there's no other weapon out there, exotic weapon, as uh, unique and notorious as Pocket Infinity. Is that ever going to come back? It will never come back. They would have to redo the entire gun from start to finish. It they got to redo the entire back. game so it can handle the pocket infinity? Uh, well, that's, that's why they would have to redo the entire gun. Because this was a gun that... It was supposed to be a rapid-fire fusion rifle, and it was, it was fantastic in its concept, but it was really, really difficult to pull off, I guess, in the programming. Because this was the this, how unique this gun was. It was so unique... That when you pull the trigger, it actually could crash your game. So it... <laughs> it's like if your composer in Lord of Wolves had a child, <laughs> a and, and, child then ga- and then gave it micro missile on top of it. Yeah, it was it was something. <laughs> it was something else. But no, it, it was it was nice to see it experimented with. And what I liked about Pocket Infinity at the time, there was a lot of weapons, serif design. You know that you would see the War Mind weapons come out of. Eventually you saw Sleeper Simulant have something like that. And there's another exotic weapon, Sleeper. Jeez, that thing was a beast. And now it's back to that again. Sleeper's something special. I also still have very high fond memories of using Icebreaker. Oof. That's my baby right there. Yeah. And I miss it. Good times. I miss Mm. it. Do you guys have any like weapons that like personal favorites? Like real personal favorite exotics? Dude, Icebreaker. Icebreaker is like the best one. It's like for me, regens and you explode when you hit them (laughs) and get him in the head. And then you get another explosion because somebody was in the way. I like the, the, the one thing I remember about the Icebreaker vividly every day because I miss it every day, every time I play Destiny 2. It's when a Titan was was in his bubble, and he's taunting me. And I'm like, okay, you just keep freaking taunting me, you son of a bitch. This fucking asshole peeks his head right out of the goddamn bubble. I got him down. He exploded. He sent me a message, and he was like, you're cheating. I'm like, no, I just have Icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since then, this that's the one thing I remember about that gun. It was just it. It was for me that that gun is the real legend of freaking destiny. I was like, Galahorn is fine. 
but you but icebreaker was the gun for me i really really loved it and i really miss it every freaking time i play the game what about you bam you have any uh destiny exotics that exotic weapons that really are favorites to stick out to you okay so for I think I think one of the ones that I enjoyed the most upon its release was actually Air Apparent. Because I'm a dumb titan, I know. But hear me out. Nothing is better than just being a slow motherfudger that literally is just walking death with a shield. <laughs> with a catalyst now. With a catalyst now that apparently, even in the Crucible, if a freaking shade binder. Warlock shows up with his ultimate and tries to freaking freeze you, you can take a hit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's like a freaking tank on top of just like dealing so much insane damage that to like with a lot more generous ammo economy than say Xenophage. Which yeah. still is better in terms of DPS. But Xenophage, you run out of ammo quite quickly, especially if you're using Actium. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a it's like a one and done. The thing you're looking at is probably going to die, but you're also <laughs> out. Uh, True time in right there, all this man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and another one that I enjoyed simply because of like just the potential for its absurdity is Cloud Strike. Yes, that's a good good weapon. It's like, oh, it's a rapid, it's like a rapid sniper. Well, those normally suck. Let me see what the, oh, it's Thunderlord, but a sniper. (laughs) Okay. It it, it also has a giant stone inside of it as its primary body, which is like (laughs) the metal parts like wrapped around it, essentially. It's like you're literally just, it's like another beam of death. Yes. And even in the Crucible, it's like, oh, they're all hiding behind a corner. Let's just wait for that one guy to get greedy and peek, and they're all dead. (laughs) That's something I won't ever experience. I can't hit, like, I can't hit like headshots. I mean, I haven't done it either because I don't, (laughs) I don't like to be that guy. It's who uses (laughs) such dumb things, like even even Jotun back in its heyday. In in the Crucible is just, oh my goodness. Like you could be spinning, and it's like, oh, there's an enemy over there. Uh, let me just hold fire, and then the thing's caught. <laughs> and then, and then I think one of the ones that I'm currently using, and I think Outrider, you might have pointed it out earlier, uh, Deathbringer with yes, its catalyst. You mentioned Deathbringer. Yeah, Deathbringer is a really neat and unique rocket launcher, not just in design, but also its function. I, I just it, prime it, release it, and it just like spreads balls of death falling down that track. Hmm. When I first got it, I'm like, how's this thing like? Because people keep telling me it's like it's not very good when it first initially released. And when I finally got it, it's like, how is this not good? It's like you have increasing damage when it falls. And then I realize it's like most of the things that you want to hit, it's like have low ceilings. And so I'm like, okay, but it's good for ad clear. And then no one likes. Rocket launcher ad clears take like eyes of tomorrow. It's like fear the thing, the room's going to be gone, but that's a rocket shot. Uh, 
but but now with the catalyst, it's like it went from something you'd use for ad clear, and now it's like potential high damage burst on the target. And especially with like when you paired it with breaching clear, if you timed it right, you could get two shots on on it, like you had overflow. If you switch weapons quick enough, and it's like mo most things are not going to survive two shots of Deathbringer. <laughs> oh, I was looking through lists of exotics, and there's just so many of them that I really like. But just for fun use, there was a time in like I think year two of Destiny two, or up to year four. Bacon can attest to this. You couldn't pry the Huckleberry out of my hands. Oh, Huckleberry was not coming out of your shit at all, dude. <laughs> no, that gun was so fun. So I have Rampage, and every kill reloads. Mm. <laughs> Just keep shooting. When we were doing Shattered Throne on repeat, we got to the Thrall Room, Huckleberry. Huckleberry. I'd walk backwards as ever, all the thralls are chasing after us, and I'm just shooting nonstop with the Huckleberry. I just don't stop firing, and I'm just making sure the thralls aren't touching us. It was just that simple. And I go back thinking even further, and this wasn't a favorite of mine, but it was very unique for the time. It was a sniper rifle in Destiny 1 that used white ammo bricks called No Land Beyond. God damn that gun. And never knew how to use it. Bolt action sniper. And it was difficult to use and people hated it when it first showed up. But when folks put an investment into learning it, it became the most lethal sniper that you could take into the crucible for so long. If you were no land beyond main in Destiny 1 Crucible, I, I tip my hat to you because that was rough trying to use, but I watched people do some amazing shots with that. Unbelievable weapon. Once you finally got to use it, and that I... Go back to my initial statement that they've created rather unique guns that stand out and really kind of define the series as these things may not be the meta at start. They might need a little bit of work. You might have to mess around with them for a while. But at some point with how the sandbox changes, people just get more familiarized with these guns. At mm -hmm. some point, these things become much more than they were before. And they they actually become part of your own Guardian's identity. And it's neat to see that. Very neat to see that. Like, just don't let that first experience make you not want to play with it again. Oh, I remember, I remember getting the tractor cannon and you and Venge made fun of me. You're like, this is stupid. I was like, yeah, it is stupid. I'm having fun with it. <laughs> enemy comes near me, I send them flying through the sky when I boop them, and then I realize that it also puts a debuff on them. I was like, give me the tractor cannon every time. Give me the tractor cannon every time. Always gotta have a stupid weapon close to the heart. I love it. 
But it's useful. Tractor Cannon became very useful in raids. Indeed. Higher end PvE content. And then I started seeing people meme their way through the Crucible. You know they did well when that had to be nerfed. Mm -hmm. It's like Tractor became the the gun for a protocol. Tractor Cannon was the divinity before divinity was a thing. Yep. Somebody had to run Tractor Cannon. Fight the bosses, especially Riven. Last wish. You needed to like shoot her in the foot, and then everybody shot um, <clears throat> cluster bombs into her mouth over and over. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this has been. I I think this has been very good. Kind of reminiscing about the things we like about this game, because we've been going on for over an hour now, and I didn't even touch all the parts of the list that I wrote. I think it's a good sign when you can actually sit down and write a whole bunch of stuff out that you're thinking about what you like. And it's a long list. I think that's a very good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. I do want to add one more thing before I kind of like wind down. Uh, this is specifically for the devs themselves. And they do a lot of hard work and to put out this game that's been ongoing now for seven years, this franchise. But their communication team has done an exemplary job over the past few years. From D1, where we really didn't get a whole lot of information, to now it's pretty much just open conversations. And I appreciate that greatly. And I think more, I would love to see more studios do that. I know there's difficulties dealing with the player base and the general public in social media and other avenues to communicate in. But between the TWAB, the updates on Twitter, visiting Reddit posts, responding on YouTube comments, it's just that they're everywhere keeping people abreast of this and just joining in and interacting with their fan base. That means so much more than just oh hey it's a game that came out and i don't know who actually made it you know it's 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 kind of a unique little thing that bungie has really gotten good at and that's actually talking to all of us that are playing it is there anything else you guys want to add before we uh, sign off today I must make a shout out to my Taraba and Vex Mythoclast. It has to be done. Go ahead. <laughs> Why do you like them so much? Because no one ever expects the amount of bullshit you can pull off with it. <laughs> so you're saying these these things are Whoa. like the money Spanish Inquisition, huh? <laughs> they never expect the Spanish Inquisition indeed. No one expects a ravenous beast to gun them down before they get within Felwinter range. It's like the most satisfying thing. It's like, oh, you're going to rush me with a shotgun. Well, on most instances, I'd have to go down to your level. But instead, I will freaking beam you down into just pieces before you can even say Felwinter's lie in total. I was actually shocked watching Bam doing this in the Crucible Bacon. I actually thought he was going to get a wee ran out of holes running around with Terrorba. Terrorba? Terrorba is like the Doom Marchers. 
I thought you were talking I about Vex. Peacekeepers. <laughs> peacekeepers. Peacekeepers. No, this is Terra. This is the, the, Holy the, raid, shit. the raid SMG from Kranosaur that you can get at the raid kiosk thing. Yeah. Terra, because of the adjustments also that they've been doing to SMGs in total, it's improved it. But then when you proc its, you know, ravenous beast mode from either taking damage or dealing damage, you, no, you murder anything in your path. And as long as there's more enemies around you, dumb enough to, like, step out into the open, you pretty much put them down just as quickly, and Ravenous Beast keeps going as long as you're hitting stuff. Wow. It, it's pretty insane. I haven't had the experience of the Vex Mythic class working well in the Crucible. It's a fun. It's a fun cleanup weapon. It's just my play style more than anything else. It's a fun cleanup weapon, but it's been growing on me too. Using it, it really has. Yeah. I can't wait to get the catalyst and see how that changes. Things. Oh yeah. Well, it I, it just makes it more stable. The catalyst ain't too. But that more. actually would be nice. I think. It, it still is nice. It's just not game changing as like Trinity Ghoul's catalyst or. Deathbringers or heir parents, mm-hmm. but that's not to say that it's not a great weapon. I mean, nothing's more satisfying than getting like two people who like ran from a fight because that's most often when you kill with a mythic last, and then the next three people that decide to show up will lose their heads instantly because mythic last turns into a linear fusion rifle that has, <laughs> I swear, it's kind of stupid, has more aim assist than freaking arbalest in its prime. I, I think I've shot, yeah. I think <laughs> I've shot people like a good clear three feet away from their head, sometimes even in the toes, and their whole head goes away. It's like 474 damage. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> I can over, I can feel this like just anger about Amos's. Like the fact that, and I get this is Iron Banner, but I got my Iron Legend Triumph using Mythoclast. It's the funniest thing. I went on a tw- I went twenty zero in an Iron Banner match with Mythic Last. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm done. You can- I, I, I had to. I that. felt that. I felt I, that I wanted- so good. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted. I wanted you to get it out there. I wanted you to get it out. How about you, Bacon? Anything you want to like uh, hit on before we take off? Uh, do I? No, not really. Not really. I think all I really can say is like, thank you, thank you, Bungie, for making such a great game. And it's like you get criticized a lot, but they keep coming back. You know, you made something special. You got it. It's all good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And thank you for joining us, Bam. We do appreciate you having coming along for uh, this again. It was nice having a third person in here. Yes. Thank you for listening to my mutterings. Yeah, well, you know, the more you do this, you know, the more you're out there and talking a little bit more. And if anybody here wants to uh, keep up with them, head over to twitch.tv slash JediPolaris23. He streams on and off. He's currently playing Genshin Impact. He does stream Destiny. And once in a while, you will hear me in... (laughs) <laughs> his streams, you know, as we're like doing activities and stuff like that. So, 
it's, it's good times. It's always good times. What's equally good times are heading over to our anchor page, anchor.fm slash HG dash podcast, or going onto our Twitter at podcast underscore hidden. Our link tree is there. You can click on those and, uh, hey, follow us on Twitter's streaming platforms, wherever else. Send us questions, comments, complaints. We'd like to hear from everybody. It's always a good time when we interact with our audience a little bit more. Again, thanks for coming around, Bam. Thank you, Bacon, for joining us. And until next time, we'll be hanging out in the dark zone. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye now.